Hello and welcome to another episode of Addiction Audio, the podcast from the journal Addiction. Uh, today I'm here with uh, Vasilis uh, Sideropoulos from the Faculty of Education and Society at University College London. Uh, Vasilis, welcome to Addiction Audio. Hi Rob, thanks for having me actually. I'm very excited for the podcast. It's, it's my pleasure. Uh, so uh, Vasilis is here today to talk about uh, the article just published in Addiction titled E-cigarette support for smoking cessation, identifying the effectiveness of intervention components in an online randomised optimization experiment. And it's worth at this point just noting the first author on that publication was Dr. Catherine Kimber. So, uh, Vasilis, before we kind of get into the uh, detail of this, because it's a fascinating paper um, and very methodological, I think, as we were, we were saying just before we started recording. Um, but for those people who aren't uh, so familiar with the area, uh, tell me a little bit about the role that e-cigarettes can play in smoking cessation. So there's a lot of evidence out there, basically. There's a lot of mixed evidence. But from what we know from the research published is that uh, e-cigarettes, also known as vapes, can basically support smokers um, to quit smoking. They can be used as a tool, basically, uh, to have a successful um, quit uh, from smoking. So there's like a lot of research that highlights how like different flavors can play a role. There's like um, research that shows like how different devices of vapes can play a role. And I'm sure we're going to unpack more about that as we go through. But I think like as a starting point, it's, it's something that people should know about that it can be a tool basically for smokingization. Okay. And, and so what your study did is it looked at a, a range of components uh, that help people to uh, quit smoking. So this was focused on quitting smoking rather than necessarily kind of transitioning from smoking to vaping. Um, can you tell us a bit about more about those components? Because like some might argue that quitting smoking is just is a single action. It's just not smoking anymore. But but your research looks at lots of different things that happen within that. Yeah, exactly. So basically, we know that there's like um, people who use vapes um, or cigarettes, they're usually more likely to um, be more successful at um, quitting uh, smoking compared to those who use, for instance, nicotine replace therapy or those who use uh, behavioral support or no support. So obviously, like there's a lot of like different complexities to um, making a, a successful quit attempt. But what we've tried to do is that we know from our own research that there's different factors that can play a role and some of the components that we looked at was basically tailor advice on device so what type of device um can you have like a big one a small one that looks like a usb or like all these disposable new ones like that are very like fancy and small and carry around then we also looked at tailor advice on nicotine strength which we know from research as well that it can play a big factor, like the amount of nicotine that you get, like the concentration of nicotine. So we want to make sure that we also address that kind of like um, component. And we've also looked at the tailor advice flavor, as we know, and basically recently with all these kind of like proliferation of vaping um, use, flavor is a key role to a successful quit attempt. Um, even like from a personal experience, like I've never like tasted cigarettes, but tasting like something fruity is always something more exciting. Um, so we've also looked like at flavor. Um, and then we looked also at uh, basically um, providing brief uh, relative information of harm. So we wanted to basically educate people about what are the benefits of using a vape instead of smoking um, tobacco cigarettes. And finally, we provided um, tailored support through texting. 
And there's a lot of research, not just like on smoke fixation, but in other fields that show that texting can be a useful tool for behavior change. So we've used those five different components and we've tried to see which combination of those components. And, and how, did you, how did you choose those five? Were they the, the, the five that, that have the most evidence for them or did they come from a, a kind of different model? What made you choose those particular components? So basically, we use it most based on what was out there um, by the time when we were writing this grant, because we've written the grant around 2018-19. So obviously, like, there was a lot of research back then, not as much as now. So we try to like pin down the most important things, because we know from research, like uh, for instance, when it comes to devices, a lot of people find it a bit confusing. So we know that giving them a tailored advice on what type of device they should select it's going to be like a key starting point because a lot of people basically get into vaping and then like kind of like go away from it is because they find it very complex and kind of like confusing to use the devices um also back in 2019 there was a lot of kind of like different devices to now now that like the evolution of vaping has changed so much and it's so easy to have like a refillable vape than what it used to be. So we knew this kind of like things will play a key role. And similar to nicotine strength, we've known like if you want to like quit smoking, nicotine is going to be like one of the key kind of like elements that you want to look into. So we kind of like selected them based on the literature, but also like based on what we've heard from people's experiences. Yeah, um, that, that makes sense. Uh, and I think like moving slightly further towards into methods now. Um, so you, you describe this as a kind of two times two times two times two times two times two. And, and, and my understanding of this was that you were looking at the effect of those components, but also uh, the combinations of those components. And this, this led you to testing up to 32 combinations of, of kind of treatment. What were the what were the implications or what are the implications on kind of statistical power and the number of participants you need in a study when you're looking at a potential of 32 different combinations of treatment? So yeah, obviously, like it's a very complex uh, factorial design. So before we started everything, we created a protocol. We had to run uh, power calculations and power analysis to see what's the correct number of participants and how we can be basically confident on the outcomes that we're going to get. So we had a pre-specified sample size that we were looking for, and we were lucky enough to achieve it. Um, as you say, 32 conditions, it's quite a lot. There's a lot of like different elements, but we were quite successful to approximately getting like the right number for each one of them. And we did have a very good kind of like follow-up um, number in terms of like sample size in our second survey. So I, th I think we were very lucky, but also if we didn't hit that specific sample size number, it would have been very different. And and so you recruited uh, um, online and through social media, recruited from uh, Facebook and, and Reddit, I think. Um, what was, I mean, what's it like recruiting participants uh, from social media? Are there, are there kind of particular challenges to that? There were many challenges because when we started the data collection, it coincided with the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> there was a lot. Of, there was a lot of different things that they were going on. So it was a time which was very beneficial for us because like everyone was working from home. So they had access to the Internet. So it was a good way of people like engaging with that. But at the same time, 
you had a lot of people who had access on the internet or they were interested in actually getting the free um, vape device and then just not return for a study. So there's a lot of like different kind of like elements that can be positive but also negative. Um, we recruited through different kind of like sources because we wanted to avoid only focusing on one social media. Um, Facebook was quite more conservative in terms of like making the advert available to everyone. They were asking a lot of details, but Reddit, Reddit and Twitter, I think that we've used, it was so much easier because we were just posting a tweet. Um, I think it's also like what helped was the fact that we're giving vouchers as well, apart from the uh, free babes. Mm-hmm. So I think like people who were invested in doing it, they knew there's going to be a reward at the end. Um, but again, as I said, like you had people, we really did have a lot of people who basically just took part and then they just disappeared completely. Um, and when, you, when you're recruiting people from social media, are there established ways of kind of gauging how representative that sample is of the general population? I, th- I think it's a bit tricky because you need to have like very good screening criteria, which is something that we did have. But again, like our sample size was very specific. So for instance, the majority of our sample was females and like they were white. So obviously like this has to be taken into consideration for in, like, when it comes like to advertising. So for instance, Facebook was giving you the opportunity to target it to specific populations. So we did kind of play around with that, like through the numerous kind of advertisements put out so we're like we need this particular age of people we don't want to have people who are below 18 we want to have people who are above 18 like we didn't care really strictly about the ethnic um background so we're like whoever it can be and we didn't have any specific criteria like in terms of like socioeconomic status as well so we were very broadly open to that as long as they were above 18 and they were smokers we were willing to switch to vaping um, and on, this is honestly my last question about uh, social media, but it's you know it's it's a it's a modern obsession, isn't it? Um, but you, uh, you you removed bots from your analysis, which I, I think it it's just a it's a methodological note in a paper that I've not seen before. The the need to to remove bots from your analysis. And you said that they were kind of erroneously randomised and removed. So I mean, how did you do that, and what does that mean? So basically, that was one of the final things I would also like to talk about. So we had a lot of entries that we've realized that were kind of like the responses weren't making any sense. And you can tell when there's a bot, like because some like in the beginning, before we added all the extra layers of protection, we could see like um, a specific kind of like answer to all the questions. So for instance, on the Likert scales, we could see like they were following a pattern. And then what we've noticed is that the email address were a bit dodgy. And then we could see that when we were trying to reach out, they weren't responding. So there was a lot of like different elements. And the way to kind of like stop that, we've started adding different kind of like blockers. Um, And one of them was basically uh, we weren't allowing people to use the same um, postcode if they want to take part. So if I was using my postcode, then I wouldn't be able, like, for instance, like if my partner were to take part in to use it as well. So that was like a blocker in order to avoid bots. And the other thing we did, we also added um, a catch up, which is like similar to the Google. So it was asking them like to basically like find the common images before they proceed. And that was actually before the screening. So we were trying to filter them out at different stages and then before we get into the randomization, we were asking them to confirm the postcode. 
And if that postcode was in our basic like quota, they were getting immediately removed. If it wasn't there, they were able to continue. Because before we've put all these things in place, a lot of people proceeded to the randomization. And obviously we had like a very specific model and kind of like plan, a number of participants. So we were scared that the conditions are gonna end up quite unbalanced, but thankfully that didn't happen. Yeah, and, and I mean, how, do, you, do you have any kind of figure on how many bots applied to be part of the... I can't remember at the top of my head, but I think there were quite a lot. There, there should have been around like 200 kind of like duplicates or like bots in the whole study, which is a big number considering like the how much like the vapes were costing as part yeah. of like the grant, as well as the £10 voucher at the end of the study. So... It's a big number if you don't figure out that, yeah, these are like erroneous or bot kind of like responses. Yeah, I, it, it would make for an interesting but a very different study to work out the vaping preferences of bots, I suppose. Um, so uh, one of the um, uh, one of the things that you, you looked at, one of the interventions that you looked at was sending text messages to, to kind of prompt people and to support them in you know, setting up and using their, their vaping devices. Um, uh, tell me a bit about, bit about how these text messages were developed. You said they were co-created with vapors and smokers. Is, th- is that something that your team did or have you been building on other people's research here? Yeah, so basically this started right before we kicked off like the bigger project. So it was a couple of months before. So we've started with the idea of developing a set of text messages for people who want to basically switch to vaping and then quit smoking because there was not a set back in the time. Um, I think there's like been a couple of like adjustments right now, but it used to be something that we were like, yeah, we need to develop something instead of sending random texts. So we've started with sending out a couple of tweets and asking people like what kind of like messages they would have preferred to get. So um, after that, we kind of like filtered the messages. We had a couple of surveys where we asked people who were either like ex-smokers, smokers, or people who vape or who don't vape anymore to kind of like give us ratings. And there were like different kind of like ratings that we passed for, such as like readability, if it's something that can be offensive. Um, we have another paper that's coming soon out. It's under review right now. So it, it was a very interesting process, but everything was kind of like co-developed and co-created with people who vape. And um, basically at the same time, when we did that, we finished and there was no kind of like application of this text. So at the same time, we've also tested the efficacy of those text messages okay. and from our findings basically with the main finding source that they are texting is something that can support people it, it's something very nice to see that it's working it's, it's encouraging it doesn't always happen but yeah yeah exactly <laughs> so you were looking at the outcomes of, of abstinence and reduction in smoking and according to these 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 five different components that you've you've described uh, can you tell me kind of just as an overview of, of what you found which of these components or combinations was was effective at, at helping people to become either abstinence or to reduce their smoking so one of the key things that we found was basically that when any of the components was active, so when participants were basically in a component where it's like flavor devices or nicotine were on by itself, we found that they were basically more successful to quitting smoking than okay. to when these components are off. But then when we started breaking out the interactions and looking at the different kind of like interactions between either three of these kind of like components or two, 
we've only seen is that flavor and texting when they interact actually lead to um, better kind of like outcomes for smoking cessation um, compared to any of the other ones. And that was consistent for both four weeks uh, post-randomization as well as the seven-day post-randomization, um, which basically says to us that when, smoke, when basically people want to quit, and they have texting support and also like have flavor support, it's more likely that their attempt to test, which, which is something new and something interesting. Um, and obviously it needs more research needs to be done on that, but we didn't see any other interaction between the other components being su successful. And there is a very interesting table that we've put on the paper uh, because we've also analyzed the self-reported adherence on how basically people engaged on with the recommendations. And what we found that, for all of them, the engagement was above 86%, apart from one, which was the brief information on relative harms. Um, and there's different explanation for, for that, because that was sent through an email. So obviously, when you've never received an email from an address, it might end up to your junk, it might be marked as spam. If people like put the wrong email, they might never get it. So that was the only one that we've seen that people actually didn't engage. Or it might be something that they weren't interested. They weren't interested like in seeing like the benefits of Ape. <laughs> but yeah. the remaining ones thought like, yeah, they really engaged with them, but only flavor and text messaging could lead to successful rates. I, I mean there's 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 loads to our, there's loads there. Um it was one, you know, when when I was looking at, at that about kind of the brief interventions and the emails, the messages about the relative harms of, of vaping and smoking, I kind of, as a serial lurker on Twitter or, or X or whatever, um, you know, there's so much debate about those harms messages. And then to have a study that says, well, actually, this, this makes no difference to people's success. You know, the, the debate about those messages doesn't. Um, I thought that was quite interesting. Um, and but I suppose that does depend on whether people read them and, uh, and and who was reading them. Did you get any kind of, did you experience any kind of pushback from people? So if you're sending out messages about the relative harms of, of vaping and smoking, presumably that vaping is substantially less harmful than smoking. Um, did you get any people kind of contacting you disputing those claims? We didn't have any kind of like direct disputes. We did have people blocking their messages okay. so i don't know if it was something that they didn't like reading or if they found it i mean we, we do have data that shows that basically a lot of them found it quite um too much receiving okay. a lot of messages but in terms of the feedback we got we i don't remember i don't think like i don't remember clearly but i don't think we had anything that was something like disputing the facts that we were sending out because a lot of the facts that we used were basically uh, from the World Health Organization, from Cancer Research UK. So it was like the factual information was like backed by research. Um, but a lot, a lot of the texts which are available, I think like as part of the paper, we have them in the supplementary materials. You can see that they were very targeted to basically saying things like, oh, it can be cost effective as well if you switch to vaping which is something, it's true, like cigarettes yeah. are very expensive. So yeah. it, we didn't have anything, yeah, we didn't have any kind of like disputing. Okay, it's interesting to know because I think there is there can often be a distortion between the volume of an argument on Twitter and the volume of an argument among people who are actually you know, trying to quit or that you're trying to target. 100%. And what are the, the implications of your findings for either people who are trying to uh, quit smoking or uh, people who um, offer smoking support services? 
I think one of the main implications is that basically that text messaging support is something that needs to become like basically like something key um, combined with either flavor if there's going to be more research showing like something else. Uh, but I think like one of the key things is, like texting, it does seem to work. And there's other studies that show that in um, different other populations. So one of the key things is that how we can incorporate that basically um, into practice. And it, World Health Organization says that it's a cost-effective method. Yeah, it's not as expensive. We can educate people. Basically. So I think that's one of the key things. But also the interaction between flavor and texting is when both of them are on is something interesting. Because when we looked at those things like as individually, they, yeah, there were still like a lot of successes in fitting, but not as much as when they were these two elements were combined. So I think probably a bigger randomized control trial in the future would be like something to look at. And yeah. then after that, see how we can incorporate it. Yeah. And I thought actually your, the, the advice that you gave around flavors was, was really quite um, uh, straightforward and, and presumably quite helpful, but um, it was, it, it was just asking smokers, you know, when it comes to quitting, do you want the same kind of flavor or do you want a complete break? And I, it's so interesting that actually just asking a couple of kind of rooting questions that say, well, in which case, try some fruit flavors or in which case, try some tobacco flavors um, is so much less baffling than just being stood in front of uh, the vast array of options and flavors that you'd otherwise have. Yeah, exactly. And this this was something that we were trying to avoid as well, because obviously, like we knew that initially we're going to give them some recommendations, but also they might have the chance to go back and select something else. But I think that, that's the problem sometimes with vaping, because a lot of people, they're not going to pop into a shop. And especially when the data collection happened was early times of COVID. So none of these shops were available. So people wouldn't bother to go online and search things. So I think like it's good to kind of like ask some very basic, simple questions and narrow it down. And as you say, like one of the questions was like, do you smoke uh, menthol cigarettes? Do you like menthol? So then if it was yes, immediately there would be a sign like to a menthol kind of like flavor. If they were more interested to a fruity kind of like taste, they would get like something more fruity. So I think like if you start like that, then you give them the option to kind of like narrow it down, they can try it, they can trial it, and then they can explore the wide range. Because there's so many different flavors right now. It's you can pick about anything right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 baffling. I'm so glad I quit vaping before it exploded in that way. It's it's a massive range. So I, I and I think that's why flavor can be like a component that needs to under we need to understand it better, especially mm. as vaping has evolved so much since like the early days. So uh, there's plenty in your uh, plenty in your results, and, and like you say, um, you know, big, bigger studies are needed always. Um, what are you? Uh, what's next uh, for your research team? What are you? What are you working on in in the near future? So we do have a couple of more papers coming out from that grant because obviously we've looked at other things, such as like identities and how they can play a role. We now have this whole uh, paper on co-production and texting. And I think after that, as I mentioned, probably we're going to move into a bigger kind of trial. And we need to look at text message support with Taylor Advice and on flavor specifically. Fantastic. Well, um, uh, best of luck um, with that in the future. Um, well, it's been, it's been fantastic talking to you, uh, Vasilis. Uh, thank you so much for your time today. 
Thank you so much for having me.